We're continuing Matthew 24 and the destruction of the temple. I will probably remain here for at least one more service, if not a couple more. We'll see. Just as the Lord allows. Uh, there were a couple things in the last meeting I really want to bring back to your attention. The temple was destroyed, as we all know, or should all know, in 70 AD by the Roman army. It was compassed about with soldiers and utterly destroyed. And some people look at Matthew 24 as just historical, that it has a place in history. And I think some people think it doesn't mean much to us today. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, I do believe it was destroyed in 70 AD. However, I believe the work of that destruction has to take place in our hearts. And as we frame this, or as I say this to you tonight, the, as a child, young man, growing up in Pentecost, when I would go to service, I had in my mind I was entering the house of God. In fact, I would have in my mind that I was coming to the presence of God. That the presence of God would come down in the house. So my whole mind was, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to the church. I'm going to enter the presence of God. And I associated the presence of God with the building. And I think most Christians associate the presence of God with the building. And probably to some degree, rightfully so. Because God associates himself with the building. But the understanding was the wrong building. See, I was in the wrong understanding. That's why I said, while Matthew 24 has been fulfilled, literally has happened. It literally has been torn down. The Jewish temple doesn't stand anymore. The idea of that house has to be destroyed in mine and your hearts. It's very important that take place. I believe it's one of the things in the church that is a hindrance to believers to really comprehend the truth that's in Christ is they don't comprehend the house. I really believe that. I believe if they would comprehend the house, they would begin to comprehend the truth that's in Christ. And while their mind is set up on this old idea, and, and today there's there's multiple schools of thought, but two of the ones that are, are probably prevalent in the body of Christ is 
that the house of God is the place we go and where we feel God's presence, what we call going to church. That's a prevalent thought today. And it doesn't see the fulfillment that's in Christ. The, the other thing that's alarming is there's a thought going on in the body of Christ that, that these uh, ideas of the house of God or some of these ideas of the Old Testament sacrifices uh, may not be uh, important. I think both of these ideas are harmful to the body of Christ because it's limiting the growth in the Lord. Why are they harmful? It's limiting the growth in the Lord. That's why they're harmful. It's not that these people aren't believers. It's not that they haven't received the Lord. It's that they're not growing up into him in all things. And when you begin to see that he's the house, now you have a picture of him to grow up into. In the book, book of Revelation, I believe Brother uh, Jim Wickens quoted this last week. We're going to start there. And if you're reading uh, the booklet that I have uh, been working on, it's near the end of the booklet, I referenced this. But in Revelation chapter, I believe 20 is what I want. I'll tell you in a second. I have so many scriptures. Revelation 21 and verse 22. The writer says, and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. So they saw no temple, or John saw no temple. That's what we need to come to, that we see no temple. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. So we see no old covenant temple anymore. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, keep your mind on Revelation 21. It says, Verse 16, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. All right, what's wrong with these two verses here? In 2 Corinthians 6, it says we're the temple of God. In Revelation 21, it says the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, how do these two go together? Okay. We're not God. <laughs> so let's, let's get that part out of our heads because sometimes people will see things and they'll say, well, that means we're, we're God. Well, we're not God. What this is 
you know, when you go to Revelation 21 and you see that God and the Lamb are the temple of it, we are swallowed up in the Lamb. Okay? We're swallowed up there. So the we are the body of Christ. We're in the Lamb. So, so John seeing God in the Lamb, well, we're in him. We're in Christ. So that's what how this goes together, because you say, how does this go together? Because God says, you're the temple of the living God. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their, their God, and they shall be my people. And then in Revelation, God and the Lamb are the temple thereof. So what happens is we're swallowed up in him. Now, he's the temple of it. He's the temple of it. Hear me. Turn back to Genesis. Chapter 28. We read this recently. We're going to read it again tonight. Genesis 28. Verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set taking one of the stones of the place. Notice that he takes a stone. He put it under his head. <laughs> he laid down on, a, on the stone. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Man, isn't it good to lay down on the stone? And he dreamed. So when he laid down on the stone, he dreamed or he had a vision and he saw. And, you know, he, he was laying down on the stone. Hear me. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in you and and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Mark that, gate of heaven. This is the house of God. He's at Bethel. He's in Canaan land. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone. Mark that again. He took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So here, this stone shall be God's house. 
a stone. He laid down on a stone. And when he went to rest on the stone, he saw the vision, the stairway, the ladder, Jacob's ladder, into heaven. Now, who's the stone? He came to rest in type and shadow in Christ. He came to the stone. The stone that Daniel saw cut out of the mountain. And a stone came and slew the image that was up on the land. And then that stone became a great mountain and filled all the earth. You know, in the, in the book of Daniel, Isaiah speaks of that stone. And he says of that stone, what does he say? He says that the Lord shall lay in Zion a tried stone, a sure corner stone. And then another place in the prophets, it speaks of the stone when the second house of God is being built. And the declaration to that stone, I believe, is grace unto it. So here we have this stone that the house of God is built on. This stone. And Jesus speaks of the stone himself. In Matthew's gospel, and what does he say of the stone? He, he says when Peter, when he, when he asked them, who am I? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. But whom do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon this rock, this revelation of me, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against you. That's why the old stones have to be torn down from our hearts because we are built up on the stone, the rock, the sure foundation. So Everything else has to be removed. That's why the old had to be removed because it had served its purpose. And they had to come into the new. They had to come into the new house. Well, the new house is not a building made with hands. It's a person. And everything that was the building made with hands spoke of the house that he is. Years ago, Brother Stanley was ministering a series called The House of Heaven. And my wife wrote a song, O House of Heaven, Come Dwell Within. I want to partake of that heavenly garden and taste and see the Lord is good. So, so this house is a person. And he's described as a stone. Why a stone? Because he's solid. He's the solid rock. We're built on something solid that can't be moved. It's firm 
And when it begins to be laid in our hearts, see, we're not moved away to a different understanding anymore. We're not looking for another house. We're not looking for another building of God. We are looking rather to understand the building of God that is in him, how he is God's house. And really how we fit into him. That's what we're looking to understand. That's why the old has to be removed. And that's what I meant when I started. This is one of the primary issues of the church is that they do not see the old house removed and they want to restore it. So instead of knowing him as the house, they are after a physical building. That's why Jesus removed that off the earth because he's the building of it. And when you see him as the stone and as the house, when, when uh, Jacob sees a house, he sees a ladder in a house. And that ladder is ascending or up to heaven, and at the top of it, he sees Jehovah. And I said this uh, a few weeks back. That ladder you can see, if we can see it, is the feet, starts right there, the feet of Jesus, the, the brazen altar, his feet of brass, and ascends into heaven, hair like wool. Look at Revelation chapter 1. There you go. The earth, feet up on the earth, and the heavenly mind of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So I enter into his courts. I read that, I read that in Psalms. We enter, we sing the song, we enter his courts with thanksgiving in our mouth. And, and we sung this song, and I've probably said this before. You probably heard me say this. We've sung this song many times with no, no understanding of what it's talking about. I enter his courts with thanksgiving in my mouth. Well, if I was a Jewish man and I was entering the courts of God, I was coming face to face with the altar. I was entering the tent of meeting. That's what I was entering. And I was coming in there and saying, thank you, Lord, because I was bringing the offering to the Lord. Leviticus speaks of five offerings in the first five chapters. So I'm coming into his courts with praise in my mouth of the acceptance of the offering. Now, that's in the old covenant. But we should be the house of that in the new because all five offerings that's spoken of in the book of Leviticus are fulfilled in him. He's the completion of everything. So he's the sin offering. He's the peace offering. He's the burnt offering. 
He's the guilt offering. And he's what we call the grain or the meat offering. So we come there in him. He's all of it. So I can't do away with those offerings because they speak of him. Now they're fulfilled. But I want to comprehend what all of them mean in the person of Christ. And I want to be the house of it. Hear me. That's what we're the house of. What he fulfilled. So we, we come there and we meet the brazen altar, the brass, the judgment of the cross. And in that judgment, we find we are redeemed. In that judgment, we find we are forgiven. In that judgment, we find that we are at peace with God. We find we're in fellowship or communion with the Lord. We find that our guilt, what we were guilty of, has been paid. That's what we find there. He's paid it all. It's there in the brazen altar of him, the judgment of him, his feet of brass. And, and we see this picture of Jesus on the cross and the soldier piercing his side and out comes blood and water, the altar and the labor. Fulfill in him. That's what we see. See, we're the house of that. That's what we're built up in is him. Glory to God. Look at, turn over to Titus. Titus chapter 3. says, verse 3, for we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Here we go. Here we go. This word regeneration means, again, birth. Two words. It comes out of Two words, one that means again, and the other one that means birth. The coming of new birth. We're washed from the old in the new birth. Just for a moment, and we, we that are here all should know this. When we received the Lord, we were washed white as snow. 
in the simplicity of the new birth, it was a washing. It was the washing of his water, his life entering me and you. Yes. So, so we have a new birth and everything there of him is applied. We're the house of that, folks. That's what it means, you're the house of him. We're the house of the new birth. We understand the new birth. We understand we're a new creature. See, we're built. Paul says we're built up in him. What's in him? His death, burial, and resurrection. Everything that the Old Testament house that spoke of is in him. We're built up in him. So we come into this house of him with thanksgiving in our mouth of what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He has removed my shame. We come here in the simplicity of that. And, and in the what we call the outer court, we... I said this last week, we probably don't know much more than that, but that is a good thing to know. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Don't forget the regeneration. Don't forget that the life of God came into your heart. Don't forget the new birth. We're birthed in him. That's why we go on in the door to eat his body. That's why his body is laid out as showbread. Maybe there's two bodies there. Maybe I fully don't understand it. I think it's two loaves of six. Maybe it's you and I joined to him. Maybe it's the Jew and Gentile. Maybe it's a picture of both, but it's all the picture of him. So we go there and we begin to eat of him and then we begin to know, we begin to understand the cross that we have partaken of. We begin to understand that we're his house, we're his temple, we're built up in the knowledge of him because we're eating his flesh and we're drinking his blood. And you know, when you look at that, only the priest could come in there. You realize that? And the old, well, Peter says, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. What are we the priest of? Him, because we're eating him. We're seeing by him. We're in the light. We're coming to a new mind, a new understanding, because here, in that house is the Lord's body. So I'm eating of him. And I'm beginning to understand me and you in relationship to him. That's what we're beginning to understand, that our relationship to one another is Christ. We're the body of him. And yet, here you have in that house 
of God, that house of heaven. You have the candlestick, the showbread, the altar of incense that moves in. I believe in the book of Hebrews, they find it inside the veil because Jesus, as the intercessor, has went into the veil because he's fulfilled it. He's taken into the most holy place and he's cried out that they may be one as we are one, I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And we come to that understanding in him. I can't come to an understanding of being one with God, but by Christ. I can't fathom it in myself. It's known in the person. It's known in the house that he is. That ark of the covenant of the Lord with the beaten work of the cherubim. Those beholding the glory of God changed into the same image by the Spirit of God, one with him. Same mind, same understanding flowing out of them, seeing the beauty of this house. That's why the old had to be removed. That's why Christians have to come to a place where it's removed from their hearts. So they see the beauty of the house, that they see the beauty of the tabernacle of God, that God is tabernacled in them in his work of Calvary. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And then you really say you are the temple of the living God. Because God is tabernacled here. Do we understand that? God is tabernacled here. Because in the Lamb, what, what was in the Lamb? What was veiled away in his flesh? The Father in me doeth the works. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My Lord, that's veiled in the Lamb. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. There at the cross reconciled us in death. Brought us to death of the old man. That now everything from there we're going to find in him. Everything in this house we're going to find in him. Yes, we can say, well, we're the Candlesticks, okay. The candlesticks have the, I guess, the branches going out of them. But the light of the candlesticks are him, is him. Yeah, we're, we're included there. We're joined to him, but the light here is him. Oh, that's... That's being built up a living stone because you're, you're living in what he is. You're living in the work he's done. That's separation from the world that that whole tent speaks of. It speaks of separation from the world when they come up to it and they enter the gate 
They enter the way. They enter the truth. They enter the light. They come up to the gate of it. It is all speaking of him. The very colors of it. I will enter thy gate. And it's speaking of him. So we're, we're, we're inhabited with this that he's done. That's the house of God. It's not, it's not just that he's in us. Yes, he's in us. But the house of God is what he has done, what that old house spoke of, what that old house was declaring is in completion in a people by and through and in the person of Jesus Christ. That a people are carrying this, housing this in the earth. We're the house of what he's done. We're the house of his presence. Wow. That's why it's so important to see the house. Because it's the house of him. Let me read you a couple more scriptures in light of this. In the book of Hebrews. Chapter 9, verse 11. It says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. That's what I'm talking about, what was coming. The blood of him that cleansed us. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He's eternally redeemed us to God. For the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, Offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And then you find in Romans, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. You're serving the living God. You're in the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, the tabernacle of his body. Jesus says in John 2, according in verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When he would therefore raise from the dead, his disciples remembered 
He had thought he had said thus, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. They believed him. They believed him. This is the temple. This is the house. This is where the glory is at. This is where the presence is at. The divine presence of God. How, how do I know the divine presence of God then? I'm built up in him. See what we read in Genesis. Jesus says again in the book of John to Nathaniel. He speaks of that ladder. But it's him. Hereafter you shall see Nathaniel. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We ascend, we're built, we know God by him. That's the temple, folks. A housing of this divine relationship. A housing of this divine expression. From the brazen altar to the Ark of the Covenant in the glory of God. It's all Him. And we house it. In the earth. We have this treasure. Him in fullness, in completion, in these earthen vessels. My Lord, what we have. I want to know every bit of him. I want to know him in the brazen altar. I, I can't help it. Some people want to move on beyond it. Okay, I want to know him in the fullness too, but I want to know the full picture of that altar. I want to know the labor. I want to look into that labor and not see myself as a man of flesh anymore, but see, be washed and cleansed with the water of the word that I would be his. Only he can clean, clean me that way. Nothing else can do it but Jesus Christ. I can never be cleansed to, to not have earth-mindedness but by him. I can never attain that but by him, honey. Oh, glory to the Lamb of the living God. And I want to be washed with him. Oh, like Peter cried out, not just my feet, wash me, all of me, my mind, my heart, my, my intentions, Lord. Glory to the Lamb of God. I want to be one with him. I want to be laid, I want to be laid out with him on that table of showbread. Join to the Lord. My God, I want to, I want that to be real. In me that I'm the house of him. That I'm a stone in the building. I'm not the house of him. Forgive me. A stone of it. A piece of it. Built up in it. As both Paul and Peter says. 
That's why there can't be this other house in Jerusalem coming someday because, honey, you're the house of him. Glory to the Lamb of God. The house of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. Build up in him. Spiritual stuff. One last scripture, and I'll be done. Ephesians chapter 2. For many years, I loved to read and teach out of Ephesians 2. Absolutely loved it, what it says. But now, verse 13, now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. He broke it. He did away with it by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So no longer two, no longer Jew and Gentile. See, in the body of his flesh, he did away with them. That's where he reconciled us in the body of his flesh. And he did away with Jew and Gentile, and he made one that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. This is the English Standard Version. Absolutely love how it reads. He makes one new man in place of the two and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. See, he reconciled us in the body of his death, thereby killing the hostility. He brings us forth in the body of his life, but he reconciles us in the body of his death, getting rid of the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those that were near. That's the new man. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So now here's the life we drink in one spirit. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the rock, built on the foundation, built on Jacob's stone, built on Isaiah's stone, built on Daniel's stone, here on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together were joined to him grows into a holy temple in the Lord. See, we grow in the Lord. That's why John saw the lamb and he and here in this growing in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. Here's God and the lamb by the spirit. We are built in him, honey, not built anywhere else. For a habitation of God by the spirit or who is spirit in the land. That's why Jesus has to be everything in the house. Amen. Well. I'd love to go on. I told Brother James I might preach for two hours, but I won't do it.
<laughs> but this is the house we are. This is the house we are. His house. The house of his glory. Let us proclaim this in the earth. Let us show the house to the house. Let us share this with the body of Christ in love, in humility. But let us share this. Don't shrink away from this. This is God's house. Christ Jesus, the Lord, you and I in him. Glory to God. I'll stop right here.